Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Uh, this is brand new for me. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, don't mistreat others. And I thought, how is it that we're going to speak about not mistreating others? But the greatest example given to us is our Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you to, uh, would you join with me in the book of James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to be reading the ESV version, whatever version you have, it's great. Uh, I'm going to be reading James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. That's all right, And as we used to say, oh, it's already up. Okay, let's read. My brothers, show no what? As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in what kind of clothing? Also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your written word that has been given to us as a gift, not only to the church, but humanity, Lord, is that what we live by, Father, the promises since the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation as it comforts us and knowing, Lord, that you have always been with us since the beginning of time that your grace and mercy follows those who fear you. And Lord, today, this moment, I ask that your anointing, your Father, come upon me so that I may speak a word, not of my own, Father, not of my own feelings, but out of the word of God. This I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's an interesting take on what a synagogue is. In the early Christians, they still met in synagogues before they were um, dispersed. And they would go to the synagogue as a place of worship, as a place to teach, as a meeting place. It was pretty much like a community center. One of the things that was happening and even within the Christianity is that they would discriminate within themselves. Someone poor didn't look right. He didn't look like he belonged. He was set aside. He was given a lower place of sitting. Someone came in with a nice ring and nice clothes, and, uh, uh, you know, they would sit them in the higher places, in the good seats, right? It's, it's as if uh, a politician came in through this door. Uh, our ushers won't sit them in the back, right? They'll say, oh, come on up in the front, you know. We know who you are, and, and, uh, and a homeless man would come in and would tell him, oh, you, you, you don't look the part. You sit back there. That's not right. Because in Christ, we are all a new creation. The Bible says that we've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. We all belong to Christ. Amen? And the world and the church needs better Christians. That is a known fact. Christians who are Christ-like and not just religious. Uh, we, we got a lot of religious people. Amen? It, it, they are uh, more religious than Christ-like. I've heard uh, someone say, uh, you know, I don't like to go to that church. There's, there's too many uh, uh, sinners there. There are too many ex-gang members. There's too many cholos. And there's, uh, uh, there's <laughs> I don't like it there. I just feel uncomfortable. You know, but when Jesus would preach the gospel, he would go to the marginalized. He would go to the sick. He would go to Simon the leper. Would you, 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 I wouldn't go if I knew someone had leprosy. Well, obviously he didn't have it anymore because Jesus was going there, but the title still stuck on him, Simon the leper. It, it's as if, you know, we, we put a title on something. Oh, the, uh, there's Bob, the, the ex-drug addict. Uh, be careful with him. He used, to, he used to steal, even though he's at church. Uh, hide your wallets. You know, hide your purses. No, no, no. We are all under the same blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Even though I, at an early age, I was raised in the church, and maybe you weren't, and maybe you just got into church last week. There is no difference. The blood of Christ is the same for you and I. If you just came today and you received the Lord, you came 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the blood is still the same. Amen? And it has covered a multitude of sins. My sin, your sin, it doesn't matter. We were talking in our life group about what is sin, you know. Sin is just a transgression of the law of God. Yes, there's different degrees of punishment. Uh, obviously, if you live the life in alcoholism, your liver's not going to be like uh, mine, you know. It, but there's, there is a degree of punishment. But when it comes to sin, the blood of Christ has redeemed us all. There's not a different level of Christianity yeah, I'll be given a privilege to speak to you, but that doesn't make me better than who you are. I, I love to serve. You see me out there, I'm serving. Uh, but that doesn't make me greater. You got talents, but it is all for his honor and for his glory. Amen? The goal in knowing Jesus' word is to live like him, to live out the character of Jesus in our life, to be more like him. Did you get that? To be more like him. And last week we were talking about in, in, uh, in 1 John, we were talking about being perfected, reaching perfection. And, and I could see it in the eyes of the students. And they were saying, you know, I, I'll never be able to get to that point. Who, who can be perfect? But when I studied in the word perfect, that means you're, you're reaching a level of maturity. You're getting there. Perfection means completeness. You're completing Christ. Without them, you're not the same. You, you feel a sense of perfection when you come to the church and you, you receive the word of God. You hear the worship, amen? You turn to your neighbor and tell him, well, I'm getting there, brother. Just have patience with me. You know, the Lord, he, he came to his own, the Bible says in, in John chapter 1, but his own did not receive him. The promise, the people of the promise, did not receive him. But those of us, the Bible says, who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes. You know, he, he first came to his own. 
But in all God's plans, this was purposely made because in a rejection, there was acceptance of those who were not in the promise of God. You know, the Israel's, Israelites, they looked at Gentiles as, as, as the worst of, you know, uh, they, they would walk around 100 miles if they had to walk past a town. But Jesus, we know what he did when he went, met that Samaritan woman at the well. He knew he was going. He knew who he was going to talk to. And he knew who was going to meet him, a woman. Could you imagine the, the look on the disciples' face? Lord, where are you going? This is not a great shortcut. We're, we go around Samaria. We don't go to that city. They're, they're mixed race. They're, they're, they're not our own. They're not our people. But Jesus went there. And he met this woman at the well. And he told her things of her heart that only God could know. Amen? And Jesus is coming. And he's asking us to be more like him. We are to treat each other with respect and with dignity. We are to treat each other like Christ treated us. Amen. I don't know why you saved me, but he did. You don't have a choice of you having me here. I don't have a choice of you having, I, I, I probably wouldn't choose you. But you know, that's good. That's not up to me. It's up to God. God knows who you are. God knows where you've been through. God knows the life you lived, and he knows the purpose he has designed for you, and that's why you're here. Amen? Don't let nobody talk you down. Don't let nobody say you, you, you don't belong here. No, you belong here because this is the body of Christ. Amen? And you know what makes you belong here is that you believed that you believed on him. Your credentials don't matter. Your job doesn't matter. How much money you make doesn't matter. Who you know doesn't matter. What matters is the Bible says that he that believeth in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen? Praise God. In this series that we're going to be preaching on, we're looking at things that we want to avoid to make us a better witness also. And by doing these things, it makes us more Christ-like. Christians shouldn't be mean, amen? Matthew 18, 6 reminds us of this. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's, that's brutal, right? But God cares for the little ones. He cares for each and every one of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And when he speaks of little ones, he speaks in the sense of a father. They belong to me. They are mine. Even 1 John talks to us about, oh, little children. Why? Because our dependence is upon the father. He cares for us. He sent his only begotten son to redeem us through his blood. And he cares so much for you. And he gives a warning, and it's a deep warning. Anybody who causes my little one, you who believe in me to sin, it's a putting a burden of responsibility on yourself. We don't literally want you to kill yourself, but it's a burden of responsibility 
to understand that each and every individual here have been bought with the same blood that you have been bought, that we serve the same God. Amen? It doesn't matter where you come, where you're going. It's a matter that you have been bought with the price, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? That word sin in the Greek means scandalizo. Why do we refer to the Greek? Because most of our words, uh, we get the root meaning of, 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 of the meaning, and we understand them better. And if you know Spanish, scandalizo means scandaloso or scandalous, right? <laughs> you know, uh, also in that same verse, it, when I studied a little bit about little ones, it, it, the word micros, which means you can take it in context of microcosm, micro, right? But what it says in that verse, it's meaning be careful of the younger ones. Don't, don't. Don't despise those who are in lower rank or have a lesser experience. See, religiosity in, in a heart that hasn't been transformed is a big headache. It's judgmental. It's mean. It's corrupt. Grace have we received from Christ. Grace we must give to those who are in need also, right? The way we treat others distinguishes the follower of Christ that we are. And it's not your church position, as I said earlier. Not how generous you are or how much money you give or how much money or how much knowledge you have. 1 Corinthians 13 says, without love, it is pointless. How we treat others needs to be our most distinguishing quality in our relationship with God. Your love for one another proves to the world that you are my disciples. Amen? I, I remember coming this way. We're on the freeway, and, uh, and I asked permission to my wife. I said, I, I want to use it in the sermon. I said, go ahead. She said, all right, okay, good. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were about to get in the freeway. It's a green light, and car didn't move. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm going to preach about now mistreating people today. I, I'm, man, I, half a second, I'm already honking. I'm like, you know? And I said, I'm going to be patient. <laughs> and my wife's like, aren't you going to honk at him? I said, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> Finally honked my horn. And yeah, poor guy or lady, I don't know, took off. But man, I was just didn't want to mistreat my brother. Was. I was going to be preaching on that. But Christians or non-Christians, uh, we should not mistreat each other. And this is not a political talking point to use the Bible in your political uh, language and jargon. No, we talk like this because we are people who have been redeemed of Christ. A politician can use a scripture out of context and use it uh, for whatever they want to, but we say it because we are been redeemed, because our lives have been changed. You know, the Bible is used to comfort the afflicted, mm, but it also afflicts those who are comfortable. But we know it and we say it out of the depths of our hearts that we have been forgiven of God and that we should also be forgiving of others. Amen? How many have been forgiven by God? Amen? We've all been forgiven by God. What holds you back from forgiving those who have mistreated you also? Many Christians have a mouth and a mind full of scriptures, but a heart full of hate. And 
my prayer today after we give this word is that God will deal with that hate. Well, what about sin? What if someone is sinning? Should we point them out? Should we, should we call them out and use Facebook or, or Instagram? And well, now you know how old I am, you know? I don't know what else is out there. Should we call them out? No, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, excuse me. If someone is caught, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. And the NIV says, gently. When a fellow Christian is in sin, we just don't correct them. We restore them. Because I don't know about you, but I've pretty much been in that place myself. You know, a lot of us are scared to confess, you know, our sins to a brother or a sister or even here at the altar because we feel we, we're the only one who's dealing with that. And I can tell you uh, there's a lot of gray hairs here, mostly the men because the women dye their hair. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm not mistreating you. But most of us know that the life we've lived, it's, it's been a life of complications, of sin, of failures. And those of us here who have lived that life, your, your sin can be a testimony. Your past sin can be a testimony. See, I, I can't speak of alcoholism because I, I don't have that issue. I never had that issue. But if you were an alcoholic, I'd refer them to you. If you were whatever it is, I, I'm just not pointing out one certain sin, but your sin is a testimony of what God has brought you out of. You were, you're probably, most of us, we're all liars. The Bible says we're all sinners. Most of us lie, cheat, and steal, and we've broken all the Ten Commandments that were written, and plus more. But we all have a testimony of what God has done in our life. And it is important for us to be a blessing to those who are in need. Not to be so religious that they were not approachable. That, you know, sometimes my wife says, oh, why are you wearing a tie? Because I'm going to preach today. That's why I'm going to wear a tie. <laughs> but I want you to know that I'm approachable because I, I know, I've been there. How many have been there without saying what you did? Amen? <laughs> you know what it does? The advantages of being kind. Number one, first advantage of kindness, it makes you attractive. Not in the sense of your Complexity looks different. You look better. But you are attracted to those. There's something about you. You seem like a person who's lived through it. And can I talk to you for a minute? I can't, I can't count the many times I received texts uh, from brothers, and mostly brothers, that have a question or, or something in their heart. And, and, and I'm so thankful to God that they feel they're comfortable in doing that, are you attractive? Are you that person that when they say, I, I need someone to talk to, are you that person? Are, are you able to be approachable? Are you able to, to, to understand your fellow brother when you, they come to church? See, I'm an usher, even though I preach, but I'm an usher. I, and I can see everybody's reaction back there. I, I know who worship God, and, and I, don't, I know who doesn't worship God. 
I know who's been, had a fight with their husband or their wife, and I, I can see it. My wife and I, we see it. And, and sometimes my wife nudges me, you need to go talk to him. You need to go talk to him. And, and you know what? I do. I do. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it, you tell. When you have been redeemed by the Holy Spirit, you can tell. You can sense something's not right with my brother and my sister. It's not being a tattletale or, or uh, I'm going to say it in Spanish, a chismoso. <laughs> What's that word in English? A, a gossiper. But in, true, in the true sense of Christianity, we need to look out for each other. Uh, pastor called me. I haven't seen this brother in four weeks. This is his number. Call him. And I've been calling a few. We know when you miss. And a lot of you have been missing a lot. A lot. I don't know why. Some of you have been sick. A lot of you have been missing a lot. What's more important? That's for you to decide. But I'm not here to judge your, your motives, but I'm here to tell you that you are missed. That when you're not in our church, we miss you. We know you're not there, and we're not judging you. And you say, I haven't been in church two weeks. That's it. I can't go back. They're going to say, I, I, I went out in the world. And I didn't. No, no, we miss you. We miss you, and, and you're missed. You need to be here. What's more important? What's, what's more important than the, the example we give our children that, that this is the house of God and that we come to celebrate what God has done for us in our this week, this, this month. We come to celebrate. Amen. That, that was free. That was not in the notes. Amen. <laughs> Number two, the second advantage of kindness, it supports your witness. It's a lot easier to tell someone about the amazing love of God when we have been loving to them. Uh, there's a saying that says, people don't care what you know until they know you care. You can say amen or ouch. People don't care what you know until they know you care. I didn't, I didn't come up with that, but it's so true. You know, a gentle heart and a gentle spirit go so much farther than a rigid and mean spirit. See, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you're, you're not to be the mean one. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the heart of sin. When we preach the gospel, the word of God convicts you and I through the work of the Holy Spirit. See, I grew up in a, in a little more strict Pentecostal uh, in Spanish, and, and they'd call you out. They, they'd point you out, and they would, woo, Brother Steve's saying amen to that, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? They'll point you out, and, and, and man, they will shame you. And there was a thing called prueba, which is a trial period. And some people were on trial for years, and I, didn't never, I never get that. <laughs> they would have to sit in the back, no one could talk to them. They'd have to come 10 minutes after the service uh, had started, and they need to leave 10 minutes before the service starts, before the service ends. Forgive me. That was tough. That was brutal. I can't imagine someone uh, being restored in that manner. I don't. And that's why kindness and gentleness of spirit will support our witness. Amen? The third advantage of kindness is keeps us focused on the mission. And 
NIV, even though I'm not an NIV fan, but uh, it, it's, it supports what the message that we want to speak about. It says, I love what God told Jeremiah about restoring Israel to him. And it says, I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. The story of Israel is that God would always call them to repentance. He would always call them from where they're at to his loving mercy. Isn't that the story of, of us? Isn't that, that's my testimony. I, I've never been perfect. If you would imagine Brother Avila is perfect and he never gets mad at his wife and he, he never says a discouraging word. Uh, that's already a cowboy song, right? Um, no, no, that's not me. I, I always get drawn back to him. I always get drawn back by his grace and his mercy. And when I do, I am the one who's crying. I am the one afflicted in my heart because I have offended a holy God. I've offended a God who has shown so much mercy and patience towards me. And I don't need for you to tell me how bad I am. But when I come to the cross and I realize the holiness and the beauty of God and how much I've missed that mark, but his grace and his mercy demonstrated towards me and his forgiveness. How can I be that judgmental and mean to you? I need to take you towards the cross, towards the Lord, our Savior. It supports our witnesses. Amen? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says, Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so much you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. A Beatle, I don't know if I forgot who wrote this song, says, all you need is love. But, and in the, the society that we live in, we point out why we stand for what we stand for, and they say, oh, you got to love. Doesn't your Bible teach you to love? But you know what? Our love is a different love than this world. Our love is a love that we have been redeemed because we have been faulty, because we've sinned. It's not a, a talking point to misconstrue the word of God, but no, we love you. I love you because he first loved me. Amen? Remember who you are. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 says, I beg you to live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be his own. Your neighbors need to know that you're a Christian. That's right. Amen. Your co-workers need to know that you're a Christian. I heard a brother said, you know what, Brother Tony? You know, all at my job, nobody knows I'm a Christian. And I'm like, what? And he said it proudly as if, you know, I'm going under the radar. I'm cool and I'm not going to be mistreated. I'm not going to be judged. No, you need to tell everybody that you're a Christian, that you serve the Lord. Amen. This is nothing to be ashamed about. 
You know, you need to be set, set, set an example. Love with action. You must clothe yourselves, Colossians 3.12 tells us, with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Amen? Go out of your way. Colossians 3.13 reminds us, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Fill yourself with God's love. Colossians 3.14 reminds us, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which bind us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. You see someone out of place? They're not in harmony. You see someone in grumbling? We're not going to set them aside. We're going to bring them in. What does a family do? I know there's black sheep, and don't raise your hand if you're the black sheep of the family. No, I said don't raise your hand. <laughs> we bring them in. We bring them into the fold. You know, my, my children are all different. They all have different temperaments, and they're all show kindness and in different manners, and they all, I can reach them in a different manner, and uh, it's going to cost me to some, and it doesn't cost me anything. It just costs a hug to one of them, and the other one it costs something else. And, <laughs> but I do whatever I got to do to bring them back to who I am. I, I do whatever I got to do to bring them back to my heart, to understand that I love them, that I'm their father. And what I do, I do it, and I always tell my children, just tell me the truth. I says, look, you, you're the... I'm not trying to call out my children, but I always tell them, tell me the truth. It's not that you won't be punished for it. It's just that the degree of punishment, we're just going to be a little bit different. If you tell me the truth, there's always, there's always going to be consequences. There's always going to be consequences. And I'm speaking as a father because I don't want my children to do whatever they think they can do without any consequences. There's always consequences. But there is a degree of punishment. And there's a certain degree of mercy that I show. And why do I say this? Because in God, there's always forgiveness of sin. In our church community, there's forgiveness of, of who you are. Because this is what God has done for us. Unfortunately, there is going to be consequences of the choices you made. That's, that's inevitable. God naturally calls uh, whatever there's a action, there's always going to be a reaction. But I tell my children, if you confess to me and tell me everything, your punishment won't be as bad. It may be one, two days not going out or doing whatever. As opposed to you lying to me and not telling me the truth, it'll be a whole month or two months. But I will forgive them eventually. But you see, in the church and with Christ, we have you and we look at you and we need to look at you with the same eyes that Christ has looked upon myself. And that is the eye of forgiveness. You know, Facebook is such a, and social media, shall I say, is such an evil tool. You know, I know, and some of you guys I have, and some friends I have out there, I know when you're mad at someone because the posts say it, right? I, I know when something's not going on, my wife says, hey, what's going on? It's, I don't know. They, they use that as a medium. Social media is fake. 
the one next to you, that's a real person. The one beside you is a real person. The one sitting next to you has been through it all, and they can pray for you. The person you think, the least a person you would think that would have a word of encouragement is the person you might need to seek after. Maybe you can't seek after one of your friends because your circle of friends is just always messing around and, and you guys always just kidding around and you can't confess, but there's, there's always people, I, and I'm going to use Brother Steve since you already uh, uh, got in my message. Uh, there was one day, Brother Steve, he, we had a men's meeting and he, he said, I think I got to go, brother. I got to be somewhere. But then he got connected with Brother Steve, and then and I, I, I saw him, and it was like an hour later. I thought you were supposed to leave. But he found someone to connect, and I, I was just so blessed to see that. But you see, that's who we are. You can connect with us because we are connected to the Father. The Bible says, my children, my sheep, hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them by name. Nobody can snatch them from my hands. Nobody. You belong to him. You don't belong to the world. Your mistakes do not dictate who you are. That just means you made a mistake. Even if you've sinned, there's forgiveness in God. Did you hear me? Even if you're sin, if you sin, there's forgiveness in God. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.